Connor's Tea. How are ye? My name is Sarika and I'm one of the co-founders of Candlelit Tales. We tell stories from Irish mythology to original music. In this episode, you'll be hearing the story of Conor O'Moore. Our next podcast will be a post-show live stream where myself and Aaron talk about this story and what it means to us. If you'd like to be part of that conversation and chip in with your questions, ideas and responses, subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us on Sunday at 7pm UTC. Follow us on our social media to be reminded of our next live streamed conversation or event and be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss anything. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Candlelit Tales, and for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get the stories out to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. But for now, settle in for a story. Take this child away. Kill her. Slit her throat or drown her if you must. Throw her into the depths of the sea. Just take her away. King Oki's orders hung heavy in the air as three men stood looking at him and then they looked at the sleeping, innocent child. Although they were reluctant, they were obedient. They picked up the baby and carried it away from the king, who had dark circles underneath his eyes that seemed to mask the evil thoughts swirling around his head. King Oki had not been the same since his wife, Etain, had abandoned him. He had searched for her high and low all over Ireland, but had found no trace, no track. She had been the most beautiful woman in Ireland, and some say she had the blood of the eternal beings flowing through her veins. Perhaps it was for this reason that one of the Fae came and carried her away, leaving Oki all alone to seethe, to resent her and hate him. King Oki's heart had turned to stone and wanted no reminder of Medir and Atain. The three men brought this young baby, barely year-old girl, to a well to drown her. The last memory King Oki would have of Atain, this child, his own baby girl. As they held her out to the water, she smiled and choked with a gurgle of laughter and looked up at the men then. They were shook to their core and could not go ahead with this terrible act. Despite their loyalty to the king, they knew this was an evil act and refused to enact the king's hatred in an innocent baby girl. Instead, they went to the nearby cow herds. Wild with fear of their disobedience being discovered, they pleaded with them to take the child and keep her hidden away so the king would never find out. The cow herds nodded grimly 
and agreed. A small stone house was built for her then between them and they each took turns in caring for her. They built the house with no windows and no doors so no one could get in and no one would ever see her, as was their promise. They left half the house unroofed and open so she would be able to see the stars and the sky. They named her Mess Pukla, which meant the fosterling of the cowherds. While the girl grew up and much like her mother attained before her, she had the beauty of the eternal ever-living beings running through her veins. With pale skin, light hair, full lips and deep, dark ethereal eyes that stared up through at the sky and filled her mind with abundance of possibilities of what lay beyond her four-walled enclosure. One day as she lay daydreaming of what could be outside her prison, a gust of wind blew and Mespukla saw huge dark wings black out the sun. A huge bird with outstretched wings swooped down, then transformed in front of her eyes. Taking off its feathered cloak it became a beautiful young man. He was strong and agile, muscular and lean, and Mespukla was stunned. They lay together and she found comfort and love in another's embrace for the very first time. When she awoke in his arms, he smiled down at her and he told her that she was with child. He bid her name him Conora Moore and gave her this instruction. There came today three men from far away. They spied and looked inside, and they each saw you. They will speak of your beauty to their king. So tomorrow they will bring you, and you will go and marry him. But tell no one of me, for I am the bird king. And our child, too, will one day be a king. With that, he turned into a bird once more and flew through the half-open roof in front of Mespukla's wide-eyed surprise. Everything happened as the bird king had said. Men came and knocked through the walls of her strange, isolated home, and took her to the High King of Ireland on his throne in Tara. King Etherscale had been told by the Druids that he must marry a woman of unknown race, so when he heard of the beauty and strangeness of Mespukla, he thought she must be the one he should marry. And so they were wed. When she grew heavy with child, everyone thought this was the king's own son, only Mespukla knew Etherscale was not the father. She smiled a secret smile, knowing it was really the bird king who had spoken of the events that did unfold just 
the way he had foretold. Miss Bogler gave birth to a baby boy and named him Conora Moore, as she had been instructed. Conora was born with three gifts, the gift of hearing, the gift of sight, and the gift of judgments. And she loved him dearly and wanted only the best education for him. And as was custom, he was fostered. As she had only seen four walls in the sky for so many years, she wanted her son to see all four provinces as well as the fifth in the centre where they now were. So Conora had foster families all across Ireland, and from them he learnt all the things he would need to be wise and a willing leader. As a result of this fostering, he had three foster brothers, and for the love he had of each of them, they always stuck together. Conor Moore and his three foster brothers, they would go everywhere together, thick as thieves they were, hunting and training, sword fighting and fishing, swimming and running, forging and metal making. Even in the feasting, they were always together. When food was served, they ate from the one plate, even when four places had been set. So deep was his love for his foster brothers that he gave each one of them one of his true gifts, of hearing to one, of sight the other, and of judgments the third. One day after the harvests and after the celebrations of the end of the light half of the year when people were making their preparations for the dark half, he was out with his foster brothers and they heard a strange noise. They wanted to follow where it had come from. They saw wild wings beat in the wind and decided to follow it for the hunt. Conora took his slingshot in his hand, judging the distance between him and these strange otherworldly birds. He cast his shot. It fell short, and they followed. Each time he or his brothers went to cast a throw, the birds alighted just out of reach. They came to where the birds sat on the water by the coast, and he went once more to cast his last throw at the strange bird. The bird closest to him beat its wings. It knocked the stone out of the air just as it was flung at him. Then the bird took off its feathers and stood in front of Conora, stunned, gaping, open-mouthed and wide-eyed. Now looking at a fierce, strong, dark-haired and pale-skinned man, one of the eternal ever-living beings he had heard speak of. Conora bowed low to show respect. He and his foster brothers knew they were at the mercy of this tall, dark fay, and after offending him they might not live to tell the tale. The water crashed around their feet as they waited and watched the fay move towards them. On that same night in Tara, King Etherscale had died. It was custom for the druids to choose and announce who should be named the next king. It would be for all of those who heard their prophecy to agree and decide if it would be true. 
as was tradition, they had a bull feast where the bull's blood was drained into a vat. While all the others ate and drank their fill, the wisest druid of Tara drank the entire vat of bull's blood, and he fell into a deep sleep where the blood would send him visions of who should be named as king. Everyone waited until he awoke from his visions and gathered together to hear his prophecy. The druid was given visions of birds, swirling waters and feathers. He saw a naked youth walking alone towards Tara with nothing but a slingshot in his hand. This, he had said, would be the next king of Ireland. Conra looked up to see the fae begin to speak. How dare you haunt us? You have a cash upon Conor Moore, from bird never to harm or hurt birds, since your father is the bird king. The voice of the strong, dark fay went right through Conora, but he knew his words to be true. He asked for forgiveness and gave his solemn word never to break this gesh again, although he had no clue was a thing until now. A small, curling smile came to the edge of the lips of the eternal living being as he stood by the water's edge. Do as I say, and you will be a prosperous king. There are more castles you must not break. He told him that night Conran must return to Tara, naked and alone and only with a slingshot in his hand. If he did this, he would be named king by the druids, and everyone would follow in. Conra agreed to do as he was told, but before he could go, the birdman spoke again, and gave him the rest of the gasa that he would have to live by and never break, unless he was willing to unravel and invoke doom. You must never allow pillage in an island during your reign. You must never settle a quarrel between two of your subjects. You must never spend more than nine consecutive nights away from Zara. You must never hunt the crooked beast of Kiarna. You must never go clockwise around Tara or anti-clockwise around Braga. You must never enter into a red house after three reds. You must never sleep in a house from which firelight can be seen through the spokes of a cart. And you must never allow any man or woman alone in the house where you're staying after sunset. After hearing each one of the gasa, he agreed and solemnly swore never to break these strange, long-listed gasa that were very specific, but he decided not to ask any questions. He followed his instructions and left his clothes and his three foster brothers behind him and walked the long road back towards Tara with nothing but a slingshot in his hand. Mess Bukla, his mother, was at the bull feast, and she saw her son coming towards the hill of Tara and she was not at all surprised to see him walking just as the druid had envisaged the next king would be walking towards them. The bird king had, after all, foretold this so many years before, 
and now she knew it was her son's time to rule. Conora Moore was named king and all agreed. The prophecy had been very clear. No one could argue and his claim to the throne was also true. No one could argue or stand in the way. King Conora was a prosperous king and ruled wisely, while all the while knowing he must abide in secret to the gasa he was given. A few years after his kingship, his foster brothers left Tara to go and seek their own fortune. Conora, although he was sad, he was understanding to see them go, and he wished them well. And for many years he heard nothing from them, and Ireland was at peace. But after a time, they found themselves wanting adventure and mischief, these three foster brothers, with the gifts of sight and hearing and judgment, or perhaps poor judgment as the case may be. They gathered together a group of men and began to pillage and plunder nearby farms and towns. Conora was sorry to hear from a peasant farmer the following year that his lands had been pillaged, his cattle run off, and it was the result of his beloved three foster brothers. He knew the penalty was death, but wanted to turn a blind eye to their deeds in the hope they would stop. The light half of the year was at its peak and the sun shone bright in the summer months, but the foster brothers did not stop their pillaging and continued on. Conor he had to act, so he had every one of them rounded up and those that he was not related to he had them killed. His foster brothers he exiled, and they went to Britain, straight into the service of the king there. Conora hoped they would not trouble him again. With a slight bend of the rule, Conora hoped he had not broken a gash, and it all seemed fine for a while. Coming up to Samhain and the celebrations after the harvest feasts, he was tested with settling a quarrel outside of Tara. There had been a huge distrust and argument between two of his subjects in the south, and if it was allowed to stay unresolved, it could easily spark a war. So Conora travelled south to hear both sides and make a judgement to retain peace between them and the rest of the land. He saw no other way of dealing with this. But Conora stayed five nights in the first. And now knowing he must not show favourites, he had to then spend five nights in the other. And the dark half of the year was approaching quickly. After the tenth consecutive night away from Tara, he knew he had broken a gesh. Although he made peace between the two quarrelling subjects, he also unwittingly broke another gash. Now on Samhain Eve, the veil between worlds became thinnest, and it was this night that Conora travelled back to Tara. The sky was bright with stars, the moon shone down and illuminated the hills that were alight with fierce fires all around them. The road was full of visions of ghostly festivities, 
games and spirits. In all around the hills and distances the sounds of hordes of warrior tribes from the underworld were marching along the roads by their side. Pitchforks and evil villains ran amok. Suddenly a dark beast streaked across his vision right in front and before he knew what he was doing he cast a spear killing it. But in the moonlight he saw he had hit and hunted the crooked beast of Karna. Steadfast and solemn, now knowing he was breaking Gesh upon Gesh, he made his way back with his consort towards Tara. But the whole landscape seemed to erupt in fire all around him. He could not travel back the way they would normally go, instead they were forced to travel anti-clockwise around the hill of Brega and clockwise around Tara. still the fires burned hot and bright and stopped them from entering in through the flames and they could only go one way. Conra knew this way led to Dathurka's hostel. A friend and an ally who could protect them with a small army and offer them rest for the night. Ahead of them they spotted three men on red-colored horses. Each one of them were dressed with fine, flowing red cloaks with great shocks of red hair on their heads. Connor thought he was following three reds, and since Darig, or Durga, pronounced some places, is the Irish word for red, Connor realized he was following behind three reds towards a red and breaking another of his casa. He sent his son, Furfla, to ask the red men to let them pass, but no matter what Furfla offered them, they would not agree, and Connor could not overtake them, no matter how hard he tried, they were always one step ahead of them, until finally they got to Dadurga's hostel. Three men seemed to vanish from when they came from, and as he dismounted, Cunra fell off the horse and fell down. He saw firelight from the window of the hostel shining through the spokes of a cart as he looked up through it. Now deathly pale and seeming to be unable to not break a gesh as everything was falling apart around him, he went inside to Dadurga's hostel. The welcome was brief because as soon as he was inside, a knock came to the door. He opened it. He saw an old, haggard woman all alone who begged to be let in. It was after sunset, but despite his gesh, Conora let her in. And she smiled a wicked, crooked, knowing smile. Conora realized he was at his time, and the hordes were descending on the hostel. It was at this time unknown to Conora that his three foster brothers were coming from Britain with the King of Britain to lay siege upon Ireland. 
to pillage and plunder and take what they wanted without Conora being able to do a thing about it. They amassed with the hordes of fairy monsters and warriors coming down towards Dadurga's hostel and would be amongst the armies trying to kill the king of Ireland. Conora fought bravely, killing many foes and many beasts from the other world that howled and hacked, but he fought side by side his close consort then, right through the battle until he was overcome with a terrible thirst. But as soon as he went to get a drink of water, the water ran away from him. The water in the house ran away from him. He asked a servant, Makek, to go and find and fetch him water from somewhere before he died. Metcacht took his son, Furfla, and travelled the length and breadth of Ireland as quick as he could go, but all of the lakes refused to give him water for the gesh that Conora had broken. He went to the rivers, the streams, even the rain dropping from the sky would not pool into his hands because they were running away from Conora Moor. He carried Conor's son, Furfla, on his back and McKecht thought the child was all right until suddenly he dissolved in a sweat and ran right down into the ground, disappearing into a cloud of smoke. At last he came to a small body of water that was surrounded by trees and it had not heard of what was happening. It had not heard that Conora Moore was breaking his gasa, and so Makekt was able to carry this water back to Daveruga's hostel, cupped in his hands the way it was, not spilling a single drop, hoping to relieve his king of the deadly thirst he had on him. But Makekt came just in time to see the ghostly horde run down towards Conora and chop his head off. McKecht cried out and ran towards the severed head, pouring water into his open mouth. Conora spoke and thanked him for being such a loyal servant and friend. Conora spoke only those words of thanks then, before he smiled. Knowing his day had been written in the stars ever since he had cast his stone at those three wicked birds. Ever since Mespuokla had been trapped in her prison, his fate had been secured by the bird king. And he wondered, would he see them in this world or the next, whether he did or not? We do not know. We do know that Mekekt gathered up Conora's remains after the battle, once the fairy host had departed and all of the bodies that had died there were mounted into a great pyre and lit alight, the last of the fires to burn bright that night. Conora's remains were buried at Tara, and they stay there to this day. Conor Amour, the son of the Bird King.
This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. Story by Aaron and Sarika Hegarty, and music by Oshin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Candlelit Tales. And for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, Candlelittle Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. But if you're able to give us some more direct support, you can ship in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We'll be talking about this story in a live stream very soon, so keep an eye on our social media for details. And do subscribe now. It's free, you know. We'd also love to hear back from you with any questions you might have. Contact us directly or leave your question in the comment section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories back out there, share them with as many people as possible. And so anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we especially appreciate you listening. We're out across the Scanner Bay, out from the seaside town of Lehinch. Tis said there's a sunken village under the sea. It's called the village of Kilstefeen. And every now and again, you wouldn't know why. It has no rhyme or reason, time or tide. But every now and again, the village of Kilstefeen might rise up out of the sea. And the first thing that might come up would be the spire.